Welcome to Fireside Financial. Together, Joe Curry and Regan Schiller offer and discuss insights and advice on all aspects of retirement planning. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back and join us by the fireside as we explore all the topics related to planning for your retirement. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number four of Fireside Financial with your co-host, myself, Joe, and my co-host, Regan. Regan, how are you today? Not too bad. Yourself? I'm pretty good. It's hot. It's summer, so I don't have a lot to complain about. Yeah, yeah. No, me neither. I've been enjoying the time at our lake lot, spending time outside and enjoying the nice weather that we've had here now that the, the heat wave's kind of over and rain's been helping out with the wildfire, so it's been nice to sit around a campfire and enjoy the evenings. Yeah, that's perfect. It's one of the nice things about summer is usually we slow down a little bit to get a little bit of time with the office with our families. And so I'm excited. I'm leaving. I think it's just telling you Sunday we're headed out to BEI with my family. So getting to see a little bit of the country so the kids can see it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I always look forward to summer because it's usually a time in our business anyways that you know a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about their money uh, in summertime, which is nice because then we get to enjoy more of the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So today... The topic. Do you want to let our listeners know what we're going to be speaking about today? Yeah, sure. So today we're going to talk about supporting millennials, really. And this comes from a lot of conversations Regan, you and I have with our clients about how people that we're dealing with, for the most part, the parents are looking to be able to support their kids. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways this happens. And you wrote a blog on it with a lot of good information. And so today we'll just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's something that you and I growing up in our era, if you will, getting your own mortgage or getting out on your own was, we could definitely say it was a lot more, I don't want to say easier, but it was much more manageable and doable with a lower income with today's prices in housing and things of that nature. Not only that, but uh, inflation, the cost of just general goods. Uh, I think a lot of millennials are finding it difficult to to take that first step into home ownership and becoming independent. And like you had mentioned, I wrote a blog on it and the blog definitely supports that that's a challenge amongst a lot of Canadians. And in fact, nine out of 10 parents give their adult children some sort of financial support. And this is something that I yeah. see uh, regularly and you as well, which is why we're talking about it. Yeah, and it's really a pretty broad spectrum of the kind of support that the kids or the millennials are getting from their parents, right? Everything from full down payments on homes to get them started to parents who just are in a position where maybe their kids don't even need it, but they're just wanting to help out because they can, right? right? So there's a pretty broad spectrum there, but it's something that I think has become much more common the last several years with the amount, specifically the housing prices have gone up and then going through COVID and the inflation that's followed and everything. Yeah. Basically, we can think of to make it even more difficult to get started for people who aren't already there. Yeah, exactly. And then put on top of that, the high interest rates that we're currently in right now. Yeah. The high rate environment. Yeah. I think maybe one of the, the first things that I just want to say to, to listeners is, is just acknowledging that it is pretty common because you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are close to or in retirement are thinking, you know, is this uh, is this normal that I need to be supporting my kids at this age? But it definitely is a norm more so than the exception. Yeah. If you are in that position where you're supporting your kids in one fashion or another, it's not a failure on anyone's part. It's just the environment that we're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was doing this blog, if you will, there was a few interesting stats of where these parents are helping their children. And there was 37% of parents with adult children assist with grocery expenses, where nearly 25% with rent and 10% with mortgage payments, and nearly half of them offer sporadic financial assistance. Now, with the sporadic financial assistance, I often get a lot of hesitations 
not so much hesitation, what's the words I want to use, where they want to give money to the children or and or grandchildren even for that matter, but they're not sure how it would affect their situation. So if someone is wanting to offer a gift to kids or grandkids, what would be your first piece of advice for those people or what factors would you look at? Yeah, so I mean, this is one of the advantages of having a plan in place and knowing where you stand, right? So having some good financial clarity in your own situation. Mm -hmm. So we always want to make sure that you're not going to be doing things that are going to put you in a position where if you're already retired, you need to go back to work or you're not going to be able to maintain your lifestyle, okay. right? But on the same hand, it's also hard to tell a parent to ease off on how much they're helping their child when they feel their, their child needs it, right? So it's not always a, a black and white conversation. Uh, but one of our favorite tools is we use retirement income guardrails, which really helps our clients understand if they take a lump sum out of their portfolio, how that's going to affect their income moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so that at least is helping them make some informed decisions before they kind of jump the gun and maybe give a little bit more than they should be as far as being able to sustain their retirement income or their lifestyle. Right. So that's kind of the starting point is just making sure they're clear on their situation. I don't know if you have any anything else you'd add to that, Regan? Yeah, well, that's, that's just it. Um, I, and I guess it'd be the amount to, like a, in proportion to, let's say, if you had a half million dollars of retirement savings and you wanted to give a hundred grand to a particular child for whatever reason, you know, that's a much different scenario than someone who has five million of investable assets and they want to give a hundred grand, right? But factors that are outside of that, I agree. I'm running that scenario, just saying, Okay, if you take this money out, number one, if it doesn't affect your retirement plan would be things that I would look at. But the other considerations I might look at is how does this affect the tax payable for that year? And does it affect other sources of income like taxes you're currently paying on your RIF income if that was the case and or potentially even OAS clawback? It depends where you sat on those thresholds, right? Sure, yeah. And that really comes down to figuring out where those funds are you're going to be taking from, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if you had your tax-free savings account, I guess, obviously that would... Don't have to worry about those things, but um, yeah. And then too, if you were taking it from a taxable source and it was a more considerable amount, you know, maybe looking at doing some in, let's say it was the end of the year, it was in around Christmas time and you want to give some money, well, maybe do some in December and some in January to split that tax payable up over two years versus one year. Yeah, for sure. And then maybe another factor that's a little bit less financial, but also thinking about the other kids, if there's right. more than one child, right? Yeah. So if we're going to give $100,000 for a down payment to one child, what's that doing with the other kids? Again, assuming there are other kids, yeah. how do you want to address that? And I always tell people, you know, it's not for me to say what you should think or what you should do or how you should look at that situation. Mm -hmm. But I think it is up to us to make sure that our clients are thinking about that, right? right. And having to plan for how they're going to address it even if it's just a conversation. Mm -hmm. I know one of my clients, for example, one of their kids is going through a bit of a tough time. Just got separated and they need help to be able to keep the house and buy out the former spouse. So the parents are going to step in in a position where it's not going to affect their retirement. Mm -hmm. And they've talked to the other kids and just said like, look, we would do the same thing for you. We just want to make sure that your sibling can stay in the house, keep the kids in the same place where they've always been. We just want you to respect our wishes on that. So that's great. They had the conversation. The other kids are on board with it and it's no big deal. But not having that conversation could lead to other issues down the road, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that the big thing is just they thought about it. They thought about how they want to address it and they made sure they communicated it to the whole family. Yeah. So you're talking about estate equalization conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So basically, if they gave one child a lump sum and they didn't necessarily 
have to give the other kids a portion or a lump sum as well at the same time. Maybe having that reflected in the will or captured somewhere in there that upon the last spouse passing away, that portion that they gave to child one, let's call it, is shaved out of the estate for the other two. Yeah. And so we brought that up. We had that conversation with this particular client and they just felt that, you know what, we don't want to make any changes in the will. We're comfortable making this decision to help them the same way we would with our other kids. Mm -hmm. And they decided not to make any adjustments. But again, that comes back to the whole point of just having that conversation, making sure they know their options so they can pick the best option for them and their family. Yeah, exactly. Because in lack of those conversations, you would you basically you leave the door open for family disputes when dealing with the estate, right? Absolutely. Yeah, which yeah. no parent wants to do that, you know? No, and, and no parent expects that's going to happen or most parents yeah. don't expect that's going to happen, but we know it does become an issue. Yeah, it does. I'm very big on individuals if they haven't got a written will that's usually top of the list of you need to get that complete, especially if there's a sizable estate and multiple beneficiaries, things like that. Because a lot of people, don't, like you said, don't think that their kids will fight about it. And oftentimes it might not be the kids that fight about it, but maybe the spouses of the kids might have different opinions and influence on a child that might potentially lead to a family dispute of some kind. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe we should do a whole other episode yeah, right? on this, Regan. Yeah, right. <laughs> State planning. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of different ways disputes can come up, even if it's not financial, just who's the executor and who are the power of attorneys? Yeah. And, you know, why were they picked, not me? Things like that. Yeah. And so maybe the last thing I'll say on that piece is no one should be hoping to get chosen as the executor, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I know. And I did by one of my courses, I think it was the CFP. The instructor at the time said, if you don't like somebody, name them the executor of your estate. <laughs> Something yeah, that yeah, exactly. There you that go. That was funny. But yeah. And actually, on the note of supporting kids, so... Rob Carrick um, from the Global Mail, I don't know if you've read any of his stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yep. yeah. so he did a survey as well. I think it was three, oh, sorry, uh, 3,095. So close to 3,100 people. 91.5% yep. of the respondents gave their children some type of a help, which is a pretty, I mean, it supports the 9 out of 10 number, I guess, but that's a pretty yeah. significant percentage, I guess, by those surveyed. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's basically everyone at the, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And when you look in, if you dive a little deeper into the numbers, it's 64% were giving over, you're between five and $50,000. Mm -hmm. And then in a good chunk, even more than the $50,000. Yeah. So like it's a substantial amount of support. And it just kind of comes back to say, again, what we were talking about at the start, that it's normal. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you should or you shouldn't help out your kids. It's just a matter of making sure you're making some educated decisions before you go in and you do that support. Yeah. So you know how it's going to affect your own lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in support of giving, you know, maybe I'd, I'd sometimes coin it a living legacy, right? So you're giving them some money that's going to go a long ways with the, the children, but you get to watch them enjoy it, I guess, versus waiting till, till you pass. Yeah, that's something we were talking about before the episode started as well. This isn't so much for millennials, but we had a conversation with a client recently and it's a second marriage and this lady has roughly $100,000 from a previous marriage that she's kept invested in a separate account ever since she remarried. And that money's been earmarked for the kids. Now, her and her current spouse, they put together updated wills. They did a really nice job, the lawyer did, and creating a spousal trust. And basically, from a really high level, what that is going to do is it's going to make sure that on the second spouse passing away, each family is going to get to share those assets. Mm -hmm. But their intentions were actually to have this hundred thousand dollars gifted separately on her death whether she's first or second to her kids because it came from the previous marriage and anyway so we we're talking about how we could address this in the will and kind of what our options were 
but she's never ever going to spend this money. The plan was never to spend it. And she definitely doesn't need it. So we just started talking about, well, you know, where are the kids at now? And what would it look like if you just gave them the money now? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what you're talking about, Regan, this living legacy, right? Yeah. So she ended up, it was a week or two ago, she gave the money to the kids, the $100,000 split up among the three kids. And they're at a point right now where they're kind of approaching retirement, but there's still, you know, there's some debts to pay off and a few other things that would really be nice to get out of the way. And this is really going to help them do that. So she's getting to see them mm-hmm. put that money to use and how it's going to affect their well-being moving forward, as opposed to them getting that money when she's no longer here and she never really sees what they what they do with right. it, right? Yeah. So, and whether you're in your 80s or whether you're in your 60s and you're, you know, your kids are in their 30s and you want to support them now, if you're in a position where you have excess cash flow, you know you're not going to spend it, there's no problem with helping out now and, and putting that money to use when your kids really need it, as opposed to later on when they've already set themselves up financially and, then it's, and, uh, uh, and no impactful. longer need it. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had uh, a few different situations in the past uh, few weeks, but just so listeners know that Joe and I, what we do is we talk about things that are relevant and that we're both dealing with in between our conversations. And so this was what uh, spurred this conversation, but same thing where uh, mom sold her house, right? She's widowed, sold the primary home, moved into like a retirement a community kind of thing, but she's, cash flow rich, if you will, with from all her pensions and between all her other sources of investments, whatnot, uh, she decided to divvy up that money ahead of time, essentially for her three children. But these children are looking at it like they're keeping it separate from, you know, in their minds, that's still mom's money kind of thing. So it's right. on their balance sheet, but they have an earmarked as mom's money just in case mom does need support in the future. That's what they would use to, to help her, right? And again, like for mom to do that, it's not an issue whatsoever. And even though the kids don't need the money, it's still something that they'll have to potentially enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We've talked a lot around this. I mean, there's a lot of different support, like we said, that parents are giving their kids. And I feel like, like even though the survey said a lot of parents are just they want to help. They help it not because their kids need it, just because they want to. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm the recipient of that. I uh, end up uh, a lot of Sunday dinners at my parents' house, so I guess you could consider that helping with the grocery bill. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I don't know if you have any additional takeaways you want to add, Regan. But I would just say, I guess from from my standpoint, it's don't hesitate to help your kids. Just make sure you're doing your own planning and, and you know how it's going to affect your own situation. Right. Yeah, and I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids, depending on their age, of course is financial awareness, right? If they are lacking the ability to support themselves because of silly spending, if you will, maybe giving them some education or if you do have an advisor, ask the advisor if you'd have a conversation with with the kids. I know that comes up a lot with me where the parents say, hey, can you talk to my kids? They're starting to make some money and I just want to make sure they're doing the right things with it, but they don't want to hear it from mom and dad. They'd rather hear it from someone else and where we don't necessarily, it's not that we're bringing them on as clients all the time, but we're always there to, to give that education. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, definitely had similar conversations with the kids of our clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't realize it was that, what's the word I'm looking for, systemic? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very prevalent. Yeah, very prevalent <laughs> in people's lives. So I think it's something to understand that you're not alone in that situation. As long as you're not damaging your own ability to maintain your standard of living in retirement, feel free. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, perfect. We're on the same page there, Regan. Perfect. Yeah, so right. is there anything you want to add, uh, Joe, to this conversation for the listeners? No, I think we've hit the nail on the head there. Maybe in the show notes, I'll throw your uh, a link to your blog in there as well. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll make sure to do that. Perfect. Alrighty. Okay. Well, I guess until next time. Until next we'll, time. We'll chat soon. And to everyone listening, thanks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. 
Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.